Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. So I'm going to begin a two-week series today. Don't ride alone, one and two. And then three weeks from today, we'll be having our weekend with Gerald May, and it's going to be awesome. And then as we move into October, we're going to be talking about, we, we are going to be breaking ground probably in October for the add-on on the backpack here. And uh, uh, we have a bunch of money set aside for that, and we're going to seek to raise the remainder so that we can build that debt-free. And that would be our goal. Come on, somebody. So uh, get ready. God's up to something in our midst. Can you say amen? All right. Let, let, me, let me get into the message today. Let me tell you the, some, something the devil is up to in our day. Somebody say, what, Pastor. He is using fear to isolate people. Fear of COVID. Now listen, I understand if you're, if you're immunocompromised, I'd understand why you might want to stay away from crowd. How many know there's some young people that are just terrified? Fear. Not none of that, then you have people arguing over, uh, uh, should I get the vaccine? Shouldn't I get the vaccine? Wear a mask? Don't wear a mask. And all, all this division and pressure, I believe, is pushing people more towards isolation. Okay? The Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion. Now, I don't know if you've ever YouTubed like a lion hunt, or, or not, not hunting a lion, but a lion hunting, like lion hunts cape buffalo or lion hunts antelope. But you will notice that lions, the pride of lions, seeks to isolate a weaker member or a lone member of the herd to get them away because they do not want the big male buffalo coming after it with his horn. So they try to isolate so they can attack. So if the devil is like a roaring lion, wouldn't it make sense that he would try to do the same thing to God's people? Get you out of fellowship, get you apart from the crowd so that he can work on you. If you understand what I'm saying this morning, say amen. Notice in 1 John, there it is if you, for the answer, if the devil can get you isolated, you'll not have the protection that family brings, in particular God's family. Amen? All right, 1 John 1.7 says this. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies you from all sins. Notice it doesn't just say if you walk in the light, you talk to God all day long, you read your Bible, you pray. Certainly we were saved into fellowship this way with the Father. But this verse implies we weren't just saved to be in right relationship with God. We were also saved to walk with, somebody say, each other that we are to have fellowship with each other. Take a look at another verse that shows the early church in action doing this very things. It says, Acts chapter two, this is the early church very early on, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching so they understood their need to grow in relationship with the Father, but it also says they devoted themselves to, what fellowship are they talking about? Yeah, the fellowship with one another. They understood. Listen, I'm saved now. I'm in right relationship with God, and God wants me to then also be in right relationship with other believers. If you understand that, say amen. So not only has COVID served to isolate people, 
But technology in our modern age is doing the same thing. And I have a rather long introduction before I get to our key verse for the day. Just bear with me. I'm trying to make a point, all right? So, so let's talk about how technology is affecting relationships, all right? First of all, it's causing people to be more... Come on, somebody, right? Te- technology puts emphasis on self. No more needing to be said. How about this one? It is taking bullying to a whole new level. How many of you were bullied in school? I was bullied in ninth and 10th grade. But listen, when I went home at the end of the day, I was safe from the bullying. It was my parents who bullied me. It was other kids, you understand? But in today's age, you cannot escape bullying because they will follow you in social media. And some of the saddest articles I have ever read have been young people who have taken their life because like, they feel like there's no escape from the bullying. Come on, somebody. Amen? Um, how about this one? Talking about the effects of technology in relationships. It's causing people to become more jealous of others because as you read on social media of other people celebrating the highlights of their life, you kind of think that's normal life or should be my life. Come on, are you listening? How, how many of you believe contentment is a great fruit in a Christian's life? Come on. How many of you also know people that have a lot of stuff have to take a lot of time to take care of their lot of stuff? Have you ever thought about that before? But it's just something to think about, all right? Um, how about this one? It's causing people to become uh, more isolated. Now listen, almost every morning that it's nice out, I take my little shih tzu, gizmo, and we go for about a two-mile walk, all right? And I go by, now the school has started, about three bus stops, Interesting what kids are doing while they're waiting for the bus. I'll illustrate. Sitting on the curb. All right. You know, next to them is a kid. Next to them is a kid. All doing. Now, I must say, after I wrote this down on Friday, I did see two kids talking to each other. (laughs) Okay. How many of you have ever been in a restaurant and you've noticed a couple seemingly out for a date and, and, and maybe they're texting each other across the table. I don't know, but it's just kind of weird. It's like, this is your opportunity to get to know each other. Why don't you? And I understood there could be any interruption from a family member you need to answer, but it would appear like that's their whole date. It's not good. It's not healthy. Are you still with me this morning? Say, we still love you, Pastor. All right. How about this one? It's causing us to become less compassionate. Let me tell you why. If you're like me, I like to stay somewhat in touch of what's going on in the world. So that requires me to take a look at some news outlets. Many times the news is, comes right to your phone. You don't even have to look. And what happens is we are inundated with so much bad news that you don't even know where to start to help somebody. You know, it can almost be overwhelming. And, and as God calls us to be compassionate people with, a, with, a, with exposure to worldwide crises, you almost say, where do I even start? And it's interesting, there's a verse in the Bible that almost shows us that's how it would be. Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Not only is there an increase in wickedness, but there's an increase in our ability to see the wickedness. Okay, so there's a sense. And what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? I'll tell you what you do. You tend to step back. tend to isolate. Don't know what to do, all right? Last one, how about this one? Filth is just a few taps away on any device connected to the wilderness, to the wilderness, to the internet. We need a trip to the wilderness to get away from this. Amen. 
Okay, listen. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. We're going for a car ride. They asked to borrow my phone to watch, play some games or something like that. Okay, but listen. My eight-year-old will not have a cell phone, a, a smartphone, anytime soon. Okay? At some point, we may get him an old-fashioned flip phone so that he can contact us in case of an emergency. It is a cruel world. But do you understand when you hand your child an iPhone or a phone connected to the internet, filth is a couple taps away. And your innocent child who have, may have no inclination towards that could be exposed and it could draw them in. So when you do give them a smartphone, you can put parameters on that phone of where they can go and what they can do. And if you're a good parent, please do it. Come on, somebody. The forces of our society are trending towards pushing people towards isolation and away from healthy relationships. All right, am I just making this up or is this true? Okay, so that being said, if our society is pushing people towards isolation and God calls us towards fellowship, then it's important that we give you opportunity to have fellowship. All right, now, another point of honesty. Sunday mornings is not always the best time for intimate fellowship. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm good. We're gonna have a great time of worship today. Yeah, we are, see you next week. Well, there could be some conversations before service, after service. Sunday school presents a little bit more of that opportunity, but, but listen to me, Sunday, Sunday school more falls under discipleship than it does fellowship. Just, just being honest. The arm, the arm of Sunday school is really just disciple you, to help you get in classes that I might not, like, like uh, just coming to mind, Pastor Kelsey's class, how to hear the voice of God. I might not preach on that for a while, but you might say, man, that really interests me. So it opens the door for you to grow in that area, in the area of discipleship. And you might sit next to your friend. You might enjoy a cup of coffee before Sunday school. Those are good. But how does a church provide an opportunity for people to have true fellowship? Okay? Thank you, Beth. You provide, you, you put people in, in smaller groups, smaller numbers, same people, meeting frequently enough over a length of time, that barriers begin to fall, you begin to open up, you kind of have, you, you don't kind of, you, you make a code of secrecy in your group. What happens at the Michael's e-group, we have an e-group in our home, stays in the Michael e-group. Not that we're trying to be secretive, but we're just not wanting to share something. If somebody opens up, they know it's not going out of there. Right? Right. And, and so, so we're gonna relaunch e-groups in October. Now normally we would, we would, be relaunching e-groups, actually today would be the day we would normally relaunch e-groups. But here was my thinking. I didn't want to relaunch Sunday school and e-groups at the same time. Felt like overload. You know what I mean? So it's like, let's get Sunday school up and running. Let's get people in Sunday school classes. And then we'll begin to present the opportunity to be in e-groups. Now listen, many of you are already in an e-group. Your e-group, you'll return to the same e-group you've been in. But this is going to provide the opportunity for many others to join. Amen? All right, take a look at this verse. There's, there's the answer that I missed. All right, forgive me for answers that I missed. I'll catch you up. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. Say if. 
What does if mean? It means that's your choice. That's your commitment, if you love one another. Now, I have learned anything that you take seriously, you're gonna be intentional about making an investment. Okay, when, when you decide, I gotta get it in shape. How many of you know three sit-ups once a month isn't gonna do it? You understand? You, you make a commitment. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, my, my commitment basically at this point is every morning I go for a two-mile walk. That, that's, that's how I'm trying to keep some cardio going. Say, Pastor, you could do better. Help me, all right, I could do better. A couple push-ups added in there or something. But, but you know, if you, if you, how many of you have grandkids? Okay, if you love your grandkids, you are intentional about setting some time so that you can be with your grandkids. Or if anything that's important to you, you will intentionally set aside time to do it. So if Jesus says you are to commit yourself to each other and be in fellowship, if you believe that, then you'll intentionally make it a priority. Quiet up in the balcony up there. Come on, help me out. Amen. All right. Notice Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Notice, especially to those who are in the family of believers. Okay? So, so, so how do we show that care? How do we love each other? Smaller group, more intentional. All right? Now listen. There it is. In October, write it down. October, we relaunch e-groups. There it is. Okay. Now, since been about a month ago, maybe, we, we stood up and made a public declaration that my wife is, is um, facing breast cancer. Just think about this, okay? Your response in a good way has been overwhelming. Cards, words of encouragement, people praying for my wife. It's been, it's been overwhelming. Keep her in prayer. She starts chemo this week, so keep her in prayer. Okay, but listen, listen. That shouldn't just be for the pastor's wife. That's how we're supposed to care for each other. Now, I don't say that saying you haven't done right in caring for her. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It's been overwhelming in a good way. It's greatly encouraged her. What I'm saying is, wouldn't you love to see that done amongst all of us, right? Well, you say, well, pastor, no, no one has met my need. The question is, anybody know what your need is? Does anybody even know what you're going through? Well, I'm just praying God gives someone a revelation of my problems. You know, that, that just might not happen, all right? You need to be with a group of people who care about you, Christian people, praying people that you feel comfortable. Because, see, when you form a small group of people, inevitably, probably not everybody in the group is going to go through a crisis at the same time. So you have a few who are doing well, and they're in a place to encourage, and those who are going through something, they can be encouraged. And, and so through mutual encouragement, you help each other, Right? All right, listen, listen. when we first did e-groups back in about, about five years ago, okay, and we divided people, next week you will get a form, I'm not doing it today, next week you'll get a form to sign up for e-groups. Um, so get ready for that. But when we did that, and I evaluated all the forms, put people in groups, I basically took everybody who were facing things that I didn't feel like the regular e-group leaders could handle. I just said, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'll just, I'll just, we'll just have them to our house. Okay, one of the ones was, was Gus and Tiffany. They may be watching today. They're down in Ocean City. Bless you. I know you don't mind me sharing your testimony, okay, because they've shared it publicly. So they came to our group. Gus was a, a, a working 
or a functional heroin addict. But their marriage was headed towards crisis. And Tiffany said enough. We helped Gus get into Teen Challenge. God saved him, cleaned him up. He came back to us on fire, still together, serving Jesus. Come on, somebody. And, and when that happens, listen, when that happens in your regroup, you feel like I, we had a part of that. We were part of seeing God do that. Now, are there some discouraging things that happen in e-group? If you're praying for somebody's marriage to, to succeed and it fails? Sure, those things can be heartbreaking. But the opportunity to walk with people, I believe, is something Jesus wants us to do. Can you say amen? All right, now, let's, let's get to our text. Say That was a long introduction. Yeah, so here it is. I feel like I really had to make the point. Listen. Fellowship is something God calls us to. We live in a culture that's pushing us away from that. So we've got to be intentional. We've got to make an intentional choice that I need this. Well, you say, Pastor, I'm good. Well, someone may need your good because they're not good. It's not just about me going to a group because of what I need. It's about going to a group because of what I have to give. All right? And, and, and by the way, since I see, see, since I see Beth sitting here, um, one new group that's forming, we have a 30 to 50 singles group that will be forming. Beth is helping to co-lead that. Um, uh, um, and I'm really excited about that because I feel like, you know, we kind of have a system. You go to youth and then you go to young adults. Young adults kind of ends at 30. What then? So we are, we are forming. And as you realize with culture, there are many more people going into their 30s that have not been married or some of them that... that have been married or out of relationships, right? So we want to form a place to them to go so they can grow together. It's going to be awesome. Say amen. All right, back to our text. So here it is. So God, if you read the book of Genesis, God creates. And, and, and I believe God created this world. Two of you, one, two. I believe God created the world, all right? If, if you don't believe that, the only other option is this world is a cosmic accident. And I've seen a lot of accidents around Dundalk lately. And there's not one of those accidents that are pretty. And this world is pretty for the most part. Orderly, right? Now, things people do aren't pretty. But the order of the world is crazy. Only God. So God begins to create. And he says after each thing that he does, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then we read this verse after he creates man. The Lord said, it is not good. The only time you'll see those words in the creation narrative, it is not good for the man to be alone. You think those words apply to today? It's not good for people to be alone. Sure it does. So in this case, he makes, creates Eve. All right, a couple jokes. I try once in a while, all right? When God was done with Adam, he said, I can do better. So he created Eve. All right, just to get things even, I heard someone else say when God was done with Adam, he knew Adam was so awesome that he created Eve to keep him humble. <laughs> Somebody say, say, stick to preaching, Pastor. All right, all right. Now, if you look up alone, you, you know the word, you know, in, the Bible's not written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. If you look up the word alone, there are implications to what that word means. And I'm going to quickly go through. There's four implications 
I'm just going to say them, then we're going to look at them one at a time. It has the implication of being apart from the body. It has the implication of being a branch of a tree, perhaps like a branch that's broken off. It has the implications of being a heavy weight to carry and also the chief of a city. So let's look at them one at a time and see the implications that it has of why we shouldn't be alone. First of all, it's not good that you would be apart from the body. Okay, I don't know anybody that's ever cut off their finger. Their finger has fallen to the ground, and they're like, that's good. <laughs> Didn't like that finger anyway. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's not good. Now, how many of you know when you got saved, you got saved into the body of Jesus? He is the head, you're part. And, and the implication of being alone has the implication, it's not good for you to be apart from the body of Jesus. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we're better together. Yeah, yeah. It's not good that you'd be apart, all right? 1 Corinthians 12 says this. So there be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, help me, church. Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part. How many know sometimes the church can look like a lot of parts doing their own thing and not so much the body being the body together? Say out your amen. It's true. All right. Second implication of the word alone. It's not good that you'd be a cut off branch. Now, the Bible speaks of the vine and the branches. Here it is. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the if a man remains in me and I am him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Listen to me. When someone goes through a hard time, the enemy comes. And he says this. If God was good, why does a good God let something bad happen to you? And the devil, if this, if this is the vine and you're the branch, the devil is seeking to yeah, get you to detach from, from the life that you need going through a hard time. And we all need people to encourage us in that moment and say, whatever you do, don't let go. You've heard me say this a hundred times. Don't stiff arm your health, man. Don't stiff. Do I have the answer to why everything happens? No, but this I know is God's grace will carry you if you. And we need people to help us stay attached during the journey because trust me, the enemy is working hard to get you separated. Come on, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. All right, number three. And I'm gonna back up before I hit number three. I'm gonna back up. Back up. All right, this, yeah, it does have reverse. Good, all right, listen. So, someone here today, just have someone here today. Question for you. If this, if this vine is Jesus, are you attached? Somebody say, how do I get attached? It's like they're a spiritual surgeon. No, no. It's, it's, it's really so simple that you can almost walk by it. Okay, Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood so that you could be forgiven to pay the price for your sin. Okay? The Bible says whoever believes and receives what he has done will be saved. I know there's a lot of people that say, I believe, but not as many who have ever received. 
right? If you're here today and you're not sure you're attached, it would be, be my privilege at the end of the service to lead you in a prayer of surrender, of repentance and faith in Christ. And if salvation is a gift, which it is, you're receiving that gift will cause the greatest miracle in this world. You will become attached. And the life that's in that vine will flow into you and you will never be the same again. Can somebody say amen? amen. All right, two more to go. We're almost done. Number, I gotta get back in, uh, there we go. The implication of being alone is that it's not good that you carry the load alone. What happens when somebody's under a load of pressure bearing that load alone for too long? Collapse, depressed, sense of giving up. And the Bible says it's not good that you carry that load. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. There it is in Galatians 6.2. Come on, somebody. We're to bear each other's burdens. That doesn't sound optional to me. Pastor, it's just hard for me to hear other people's hard times. Well, come on, somebody. That's why prayer comes in. Encouragement comes in. We bear each other's burden. God wants us to do it. What's the best way to do that? Put yourself in a smaller group around the people, uh, the same people long enough that people can begin to open up and pray for each other. And let me just add a point here. I try to do this at least once a month, all right? Stop venting on Facebook, please, all right? The world does not need to know your marriage is struggling. They don't need to know uh, that your best friend did something you didn't like, and they also don't need to know that Joe's Pizza gave you a cold pizza, all right? Stop. You're supposed to have a friend that you can call and say, can I just vent for a minute? Yeah, better you vent to me than Facebook. Or sometimes you just need to step back for a moment and say, is it really worth putting this much energy into the fact that I got a cold pizza? Help me, Jesus. I'm just gonna let it go right there. How many know some people carry some burdens they wouldn't have to carry if they just think about it for a moment? Cast your, listen, cast your care on the Lord because he's somebody, help me. Yeah, he, he, he cares about you. I, I was thinking about it the other week. You know, people used to sit on their front porch and actually talk to their neighbors. They'd walk down the street and talk to their neighbor. Now everybody builds decks and builds fences around their yard. I don't even know who their neighbors are. How can you invite your neighbor to church? You don't even know who your neighbor is. Knock, knock, knock. I know we've never met. I know you've lived here for 10 years, but uh, I got a little convicted Sunday and thought I'd introduce myself. Uh, I'm Bill. Why don't you come to church with me next Sunday? All right. It's probably not the best way to do things, all right? God help us to say, even though the world is going this direction, away from fellowship, I'm gonna push against that because I don't believe it's healthy for me or anybody else. Can you say amen? All right, last point. It's not good, I'm gonna let that verse go. It's not good that you act like you are the chief of a city. That's one of the implications of being alone because here's what happened. If someone is alone for too long, listen to me, they get weird. You ever read stories about people who moved out west and said, I want 500 acres and I don't want any neighbors? What happened when someone finally decided we ought to check on them? 
They were weird. Read, read the stories. I'm telling you. You can, you can, you can read about it, all right? Uh, I, any of you ever watch Alaska State Troopers? Yeah, and, and those troopers once in a while have to check on people who live by themselves back in the middle of nowhere, and they have to stop like a quarter mile. Bill, it's me, the state trooper. Don't shoot. Because when you get alone, you can get weird. So, some of you are too alone. That's <laughs> a joke. I know, stick to preaching. Listen, 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 listen. So, so what happens is when you're in relationship with people, someone who knows you and cares about you said, what's wrong with you? You're getting weird. Stop. I mean, either you get prideful or you get really depressed. But either one of those scenarios, who's at the middle of that? It's me. The, atten- the intention's on me. And we need people to help us so we don't get weird. I know that sounds weird, but uh, um, it's, tr- it's true. You understand? It's one of the benefits of relationship it, it is, you know, it's like, Pastor, you know. You're, so you're in a relationship with somebody. I'll just help somebody, all right? Can I just be honest? I'm not, and and I, am, I am not publicly pro or anti-vaccine. All right, I mean, I understand both sides, but, but there's people who don't wanna get the vaccine, they think it's the mark of the beast. And if I was in relationship with them, I would help them to understand, look, whatever issues you have with the vaccine, it is not, listen to me, it is not the mark of the beast. It is not, okay, it's not, it's a vaccine. All right, and I could give you, I could give you biblical to show you that. You can, uh, uh, I, I have a friend who preaches a message, the vaccine's not, just look it up, it'll, it'll help you. But we need each other because there's so many ways we can get weird. How, how many had a weird uncle or a weird aunt? And the problem was they, they, they were alone. They wouldn't listen to anybody's advice. They just did their own thing. And, and uh, everybody, you know, put it on your prayer request. We'll deal with that on Wednesday night, all right? Amen. Listen, that's why the Bible says, the Bible says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we talk about the wound of a friend. We're not talking about something. We're talking about someone who's being honest. Get it in your grill a little bit. And it hurts a little, but you know it's true. And then God can heal that wound because you didn't even know it was there till the friend mentioned it. Come on, amen? Amen? Proverbs 26, 12 says this. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Okay? Here's the bottom line. This, this isn't so much an altar call message, you know, come up and quit being alone. You know, that, not so much. But more thoughtful message to say this. If you're not, and, and listen, the problem with some of you, can I, can I just tell you? You have a group of friends that you hang with, but none of them are believers. And that's great for evangelism, but that's not so good for getting godly advice of where you want to take your life. The people who I want closest to my heart circle, to my wife and family, and some Christian brothers and sisters who care about me. And I'll have some relationships outside of that with neighbors, with workmates, other things like that, but, but I'm gonna guard that a little bit lest they begin to influence me more than I influence them. It happens. Amen? Come on, bow your heads this morning. Would you do that? And let me take a moment to talk to somebody here today. Listen, listen, this this is important. 
if I were to look you in the eye, get you alone, look you in the eye, and say, ma'am, sir, teenager, do you know without a doubt that you are right with God? What would you say? What would your answer? Maybe you'd say, I hope so. God doesn't want you to hope so. He wants you to know so. Maybe you'd flat out say, no, I'm not in right relationship. We believe that's why God brought you here today. So that you could hear, hey, Jesus paid the price so that your relationship with God could be restored, your sins forgiven, your hand reunited with God's. But you have to believe and you have to receive For me, that happened at 18 years of age when when a friend invited me to a church like this. And sitting in that service, it was so plain to me. I was not right with God. And I also understood for the first time what God wanted with me. Listen, he wanted me. Not my prayer before a meal, not not a good night. He wanted me to lay down my life to the one who gave me life in the first place. And I asked Jesus to come in to wash away my sins, to be my Lord. And he radically transformed my life. And what he did for me, he'll do for you. He's no respecter of persons. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm in this place today, currently not in right relationship with God, whether that's because you've never opened up your heart or because perhaps you walked with the Lord for a while, you've, you've fallen away, and this is more of a recommitment. Either scenario, if that's you, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Today, I'm going to open the door of my heart and ask the Lord to come in and restore or for the first time. If that's you, would you just raise up my hand? I'm not asking you to do this to embarrass you, but just because Jesus wants to. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. God bless you this morning. I'm going to pray with you and dismiss. Someone else.